The demand for digital marketing has only grown during the pandemic and beyond. Today, we speak to the founder of Paragon Digital Marketing about what it takes to win eyes and about his own entrepreneurial journey. I'm Matt Mowry, Executive Editor of Business NH Magazine. And I'm Nathan Carroll, Chief Growth Officer of Granite Media Group and founder of Cardinal Consulting. And welcome to BizCast NH. Man, we got a fun one. Yes, I'm, I, I'm excited. I, I know, actually, because it's an interesting topic. I think we'll get to delve into, uh, you know, maybe learn a little something and maybe get a little free advice or something, but not too much, not too much. But, um, but it, I yeah. mean, it's the world we live in. How do you influence totally. and how do you stand out in, right. you know, the expanse of the digital marketplace? Right, right. And how the hell do they know that I just looked up, you know, wanting to buy eight pounds of potatoes and now that ad is everywhere on the internet? That I look. And we're going to have a serious intervention about this potato <laughs> in addiction. That was you have. the worst. That was the worst <laughs> example that I just came up with. I'm like, wait, what can I buy? I don't know. Now, Shoes, something I normal. I so delve no. into your browser history. Yeah. I want to know Eight pounds these of deep, potatoes. dark secrets that live there. And who buys potatoes <laughs> on the internet? We can probably ask this week's guest. You know who buys potatoes on the internet? Yes. Maybe he's got data. I don't know. Maybe he can start to collect it and see if it's a thing. It's not. Know. It's not a thing. <laughs> <laughs> Again, just... we'll be having an intervention yeah, later. <laughs> intervention later. That's fine. That's fine. Um, so besides the eight pound of potatoes ads, um, <laughs> and Mike is losing it in the control room. He is absolutely beside himself because I'm an idiot. <laughs> Um, so if we can get away from me being an idiot, um, I, what's cool though. So we were talking about me, you know, obviously media marketing, um, and one of the neatest things and probably one of the longest standing things, um, is commercials, TV commercials, radio commercials. Um, oh, those ones that get stuck in your yeah, head. Yeah, the jingles. Yes. Yeah. There is a, this is a science. This isn't just like, oh, we just put a song together because it was cute. And No, there's a science. I feel like, you know, in this streaming age we're in, people are missing out on a, 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 a true art form. Yeah. Because there, there were always those commercials that yeah. stood out for you. Like for me, I don't care if it's running the commercial or not anymore. A school year cannot come up mm-hmm. without the Staples commercial oh, of the it's back and you know it's you hear it's the most wonderful oh time of the year and the happy dad is going back he's flying by on the car yeah Whee! and the kids are dragging sad behind they're going back to school i'm like yes that just captured God. the back to school experience perfectly i'm like that is a brilliant commercial because that is what pops in my mind Every fall. And you know what popped into my mind? Not eight pounds of potatoes when we said commercials. <laughs> <laughs> Was the Juicy Fruit commercial. Remember the Juicy Fruit commercial and the jingle? Come on, Juicy Fruit. The taste, the taste, the taste is going to move. Yeah. Oh, that yes. one? Yeah. Okay. Oh, See, you're welcome. Jog the memory. You're welcome. There yeah. you go. And I'm sorry also at the same time. <laughs> but, right? So there's there's a, a quote unquote science to this. And, and maybe it, we'll it, dig into that too. And how they get a jingle. Like, I may not be able to remember the name of the person I just met. Right. But that jingle I heard <laughs> as a kid lives <laughs> rent free in my mind. Yeah. It just comes up at the weirdest times. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's it. That's it. And, uh, yeah, 
and happens for years and years. And then I've, I've inherited. So like my uncle always sings jingles from old commercials from like the sixties and the fifties. And, and, um, and now I have heard them. And so like, occasionally I'll, I'll start singing them and I'm like, wait a minute, this isn't, this isn't right. (laughs) (laughs) Although it's working. It worked then and it's working now. There you go. You're like, now I have an angry for juicy fruit. Yeah. Right, exactly. Oh my goodness! Wow, to go with those potatoes. Yeah, gotta have it. You know, gotta have it. Oh my word. Um, we're gonna get out of this rabbit hole sooner than yeah, like now, um, so that we can do this episode some justice by way of our guest. Our guest this week is Zach Luce, founder and CEO of Keen-based Paragon Digital Marketing. Zach founded Paragon in 2012 and has over 20 years of internet marketing experience working with and consulting for organizations of all sizes. At Paragon, Zach manages the business as a whole from its workplace culture to its customer relationships. Zach is a firm believer that doing good is good for business and frequently donates services to small nonprofits that are working to make a difference. Awesome. Zach is an adventurous and creative entrepreneur who thrives on building, creating, and improving his community and his business each day. Zach's a graduate of Leadership New Hampshire, class of 2019. We'll ask him if that's, if it's the best class ever. And that same year, he completed the Goldman Sachs 10,000 Small Business Program here in New Hampshire. He lives in Keene with his significant other and three boys. He enjoys hiking, mountain biking, sailing, and snowboarding with his family. Zach, welcome. Thanks for having me. It's our pleasure, and uh, sorry about the eight pounds of potatoes, but we'll just move right on from there. Maybe you have some sort of... I have uh, a potato thing. You have a potato thing? Yeah. Have you ever followed uh, Zillow Gone Wild on Instagram? No, but now I'm going to. They're all about potato sheds. Potato sheds. I had it's no idea. See? I guess I was onto something. I think so. All right. That's it. Uh, so before that becomes another rabbit hole. Um, that's getting added to his browser yeah, history. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It totally is. It totally is. Um, tell us, what is Paragon and why is it different than, and I'll do air quotes for our listeners, that other digital marketing agency? That's a great question. Um, we're a small digital agency. Mm-hmm. Um we are really focused on that small to mid-sized businesses, sure. and um, I think we fit in where uh, big agencies mm-hmm. are too expensive for a small business, and uh, maybe a freelancer just doesn't have the skill set for a bit of more uh, grown-up business, I guess. Right on. Right um, so, so you I think really we fit know in your that, market like, sweet spot. Yeah. Um, so somewhere between the freelancers and the big Boston agencies, there's yeah. just not a lot of really good agencies that do a good job for a price that small businesses can afford. Um, so that's where we try to play, and we do all the digital marketing things, um, SEO and yeah, digital Yeah, I was going to say, so you know, for somebody who is um, less knowledgeable around digital marketing, when we say digital marketing, what does that mean these days? Because you do a lot of different stuff. You can build a website and you can sort of do everything and then some. So what is what is digital marketing today? Um, it's all those things. It's, it's really trying to figure out where your customers are online mm. and then getting them to your website and then figuring out how to make them do what you want them to do, whether mm. they're buying granola or signing up for a white paper. Um, huh. So it's really a a lot of strategy and science and data that goes into figuring out where those people are, how you can reach them most effectively, and then trying things because you don't really know what's going to work. 
um, using the data to just continuously improve that funnel of like reaching people for the first time, following them around with the ads if they didn't buy the first time, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and yeah. then getting them back and trying to show them something that maybe they forgot about or um, something slightly different that's more aligned with what they were looking oh, for. Oh, that's like the, hey, we, we noticed this is still in your cart email. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I got one of those. <laughs> the this remarketing piece. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, so I mean, that's, it's interesting and it is so complex. So how do you boil it down for somebody who is that, that right, you know, that right company, that right customer for you? How do you boil it down for them to say, okay, you want to find more customers, but like, here's what we should do. You know, you, you got a million options, but how do you come to some conclusions on what to do? Yeah, it really starts with understanding the customer first. Mm-hmm. Who is who is the customer? You'd be surprised how many businesses don't really understand who their customer is or mm-hmm. their ideal potential customer is. Sure. Um, so figuring that out and then thinking about their buyer journey, what are the searches they're going to do? What websites are they going to visit? What videos are they going to watch as they're trying to make this decision to buy a new car or um, buy a house and you, you're selling mortgages? So mm-hmm. um, figuring out really where you can reach them what kind of value you can add early on in that funnel uh, to get their attention, and then kind of following them along through the process until they're ready to to buy from you or or sign up for your service or whatever. Yeah, yeah, got it. So um, before we delve into tips and all that for our listeners, I want to get to know your journey a bit more. Um, and what made you want to go into this realm? I mean, for a while there, you were one of my favorite titles ever, a webmaster. I mean, I'm a comic book geek, so I always imagine it's like part webmaster. of the Spider-Verse. Beware, evildoers, for yeah. I am the webmaster. Right, he like um, wears a cape and stuff. Yeah. So, but what 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 got you into it? And then most importantly, what made you finally take the leap to go from, I'm going to be, I'm going to do this for an employer to, I'm going to be the entrepreneur who does this for other employers? So it was really an accident. Um, <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> I, was, I was working for um, my uncle in Minnesota while taking some college classes. And uh, he had a sailing ma- magazine and a sailing school. And I was doing um, sailing instruction and helping out with his magazine. And the magazine had this really old, bad website built in the front page. <laughs> and I just started figuring out like how I could make it better and how I could streamline the process of getting the content from the magazine onto the site. Um, and it just kind of was born from there. I started building websites for fun and for other people. And uh, from from there, I, I, websites were pretty simple back then. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started getting more interested in like, well, how do I know who's visiting this site? How do I get more people to this site? So I started figuring out SEO. I started figuring out analytics. Um, it was the early days of Google AdWords. So I started playing with that when mm. it was like a penny or two a click and you could just throw five bucks at it and get a bunch of visitors to your website. Um, so that's kind of how I got into it. Um, from there, uh, I had real jobs. <laughs> um, but I finally, when I, I moved to Chicago, early 2000s, mm-hmm. and um, was get a, got a job for a, with like a temp agency doing some really boring accounting thing. Oh, my God. Um, and they were looking for a webmaster, and they just found out that I had some of this experience, and that was my first uh, real job in, in web and digital marketing and then I started helping them with AdWords and 
uh, kind of grew from there. Yeah. So how do you, well, I love that in, in your bio, it said that you were, you know, working in, in internet marketing for 20 years and, um, 20 years ago, it was a hell of a lot different than it is now. What, what is, what is the transformation that you've seen as you've start you know, started to grow your business as you've become from the employee to the employer? Um, what are some of the biggest changes? Oh, it's so much more complex now. Um, it's so much more competition. Like back mm. then, you could just throw some money at some keywords and you could crush it because nobody else was doing it. Um, now it's there's just so many levers and different ways you can target people that um, it's it keeps it really interesting, but it also keeps it kind of, makes it kind of hard to keep up with everything. Mm. Um, which is where I've really seen the value of growing the business and having being able to have people specialize in the different pieces of it. Okay. Um, okay. Growing so, your growing Paragon, you mean? Yeah. 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 So what are some of, what are some of the common pitfalls that businesses fall into when it comes to their digital marketing and their digital presence? I think the, the biggest one is really just not understanding their customer and what they're looking for. Um, and what their kind of journey is or, or what they expect the experience to be. Mm-hmm. Um, it's pretty easy to just throw some money at a Facebook ad and drop them on your homepage. But that's a terrible experience if you're trying to sell uh, shoes to men and you have an ad for shoes to, for men and they land on your homepage where there's a whole bunch of different stuff, mm. all kinds of clothing. You want to take them to that page that's just for um, men's shoes. Uh, so I think not thinking about that journey that they go through uh, is the biggest pitfall that I see. Um, and so what are some of the, the different aspects that people need to think about when it comes to what their digital footprint looks like and what that experience needs to be? What does today's consumer expect um, and what is going to make them do go from someone who's aware to perusing to I'm taking action. Um, I think there's two kind of key pieces of that. One is giving them content that is going to help them, uh, whether that's a YouTube video that teaches them how to do something or helps them understand something. Um, The other piece is they want a seamless experience. Companies like Amazon have made it so easy to buy something you really don't need <laughs> without even thinking about it. Every chance you give somebody to think about their decision, yes. you give them an opportunity to change their mind. Um, or they just give up because it's too much of an arduous process to, to get to that thank you page and check out. Yeah, right. Hence and the the evolution of Apple Pay, where I can just do two clicks and buy something. Yeah, and right? Shopify. Yeah. Put in your email address on any one of their stores and it automatically loads your information after sending you a code. You don't even have to remember your password. <laughs> Love that. Love that. Um, so back a little bit to, um, to Paragon in terms of building it. Now, you mentioned, and it was just briefly off air before we started, that um, when you started the Goldman Sachs 10,000 Small Business Program, uh, or when you when you were in it, uh, that was also the start of the pandemic. Um, and so what were you hoping to kind of get from there in terms of growing the, the agency? Um, and is that still something that's on your plate? Or... Um, Yeah, that was a great program. I did it right before the pandemic. I went straight from Leadership New Hampshire to 10KSB. Nice. And 
uh, it was quite a year. <laughs> like <laughs> very, a very busy year. Yep. Yeah. Um, but both of those programs, I felt like really helped me grow and understand what I didn't know. Mm. Um, there were parts like I'm really good with the finance piece. I'm really good with the actually doing the digital marketing. Um, but there were a lot of pieces around just managing people yep. um, and HR that I didn't, I, I wasn't very good at. It wasn't very good at like coaching and mentoring people. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it really helped me understand those things and um, planning beyond the numbers, like using strategy to figure out, okay, here's where my, kind of what I do for my clients. Yeah. I wasn't doing for myself. Well, isn't that what we always do, right? Like it's, you know, I always tell the story of that my dad was a landscaper, but our yard was not always the nicest yard because yeah. <laughs> he was doing for others, right? You know, yeah. and that's, that's it. But it, those kind of programs allow you to sort of pull back and, and, uh, and understand, um, okay, this is what I need to be doing. And I know that, and I can do it. Yeah. I just got to organize it. I think the biggest thing I got out of that program was our little growth group that, um, of, three other entrepreneurs in, in my area, completely different businesses, insurance and acupuncturist, huh. and, uh, a mental health professional. Um, and when COVID hit, they were like our, my lifeline. Like we had a text thread going for months after that, just trying to figure out all the programs and how do we deal with this? How do we deal with that? Um, wow. it was, it was really great. Um, that was probably the biggest thing I took away from that was that core group of like business owners like me that I could lean on. Nice. Not, well, yeah. And you, you've got to have, you've got to have that network. Um, even if it's a really close network of just a few, a few people. Um, I've got a, I want to get in a little bit in the way back machine here that Matt always brings to BizCast. Um, and uh, I'm curious. So when, when you sent information to us and we were just doing a little research and this and that, um, on the top of your CV, on your resume, it says, as your title is entrepreneur. And I love that. And I love that. Um, so I want to know sort of where and how um, did you develop that mindset? I think I grew up with it. Okay, uh, my and that was going to be my my sub sub question. So talk about that. Go ahead. Yeah. So uh, my dad owned a photography studio in a small town in Iowa, and I grew up in the business, helping take dance pictures and sports pictures <laughs> and um, all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Um, just helping him run the business and covering for him when he had to run out to an appointment and stuff. Um, so that was kind of in my blood, and I, I started like a lawn mowing business when I was in high school, <laughs> and a little audio install business when I was in college. And uh, so it's just kind of always been in my blood, um, and it's just kind of grown from there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't really like the corporate world very much. Yeah, uh, it that's really... like a common theme with a lot of <laughs> entrepreneurs. Like I didn't like working for somebody else. I didn't like the corporate world. But yeah, yeah. so when I when I I'd been working in the corporate world for about 10 years in Chicago. And when I moved to Keene, um, I uh, had freelancing gigs on the side. Mm. And we had a baby on the way, second kid. And I decided to just kind of give it a go and get back into entrepreneurship. And um, it seemed like a great fit helping other entrepreneurs and um, helping them grow their businesses. And really, it's... It kind of just took off from there. Right on. Um, do you, as an entrepreneur, have a story of uh, when you've failed and perhaps made some lemonade out of that? Hmm. 
<laughs> we can let you sit on that one for a little bit. I might but... sit on that one for a minute. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's that's fine. That's fine. Um, so, but let's talk about some other things. Um, you mentioned we mentioned in your bio that you're really um, focused on on your community and, and kind of giving back to to small nonprofits and and all that. Um, was that ingrained in you as a kid too, in terms of you know just taking care of of community or? Yeah, it's something that you learned along yeah, the way. Yeah, I think I got that from my dad. He he was um, a true Boy Scout, even when he was done with Boy Scouts, <laughs> and, uh, planting trees along the highway and stuff, and just like doing all kinds of things in the community. Nice. Um, I really, I really, um, one of my favorite things about owning a business is being able to use the business as a force for good, mm-hmm. um, and this has really allowed me to do a lot of that. We've done all kinds of fun projects. Like we see a problem in the community and we just try and fix it. Um, when we were maybe three, I think we had three employees and an intern and we were in the Hannah Grimes Center mm-hmm. Center in uh, Keene. Sure. And just ordering lunch from a restaurant on Main Street was a pain because you couldn't like Google them and none of the business information was there. They even <laughs> showed up. Uh, the Chinese food restaurant that we ordered from all the time had the phone number as an image oh, no. in the website. <laughs> so you had to like look it up every time, write it down, and then go back and it was just... It was, did we, you call them and say, have I got a deal for you? <laughs> no, what we did was we got a street view camera for doing interior street views. Mm-hmm. And we did every business on Main Street that would let us in. We used the interior street view piece as... Uh, something to um, kind of hook them in. And then we used that to make sure we claimed their Google business listing and made sure all the information was updated while we were doing it. Oh, wow. So we did. The banks wouldn't let us in, and then some of the jewelry stores wouldn't let us in because they didn't <laughs> well, want you to like, hmm. let people case it on the, on the, online without yeah, coming really. in. Um, but that was, that was one of those things that we just, let's just do this. It'll be fun. We did little, we had a little um, plastic newt that we like a little lizard that we hid in all the pictures. Oh, you're having the, fun with it too. Yeah. Then. Yeah. Nice. I, I don't think we're supposed to do that. So don't no. tell Google, but no, um, <laughs> I think you could still go to life is sweet. Um, uh, the candy store on the square. And I think they still have the same street view and oh there's a little lizard hidden in there somewhere between oh, all the candy jars. Now it's, now it's <laughs> on. All right. If a listener finds that they need to let us know, let Zach know that they found the newt. So uh, speaking of your, your work, you know, it's pretty extensive. I mean, you're on the board of trustees for Leadership New Hampshire, incorporated at uh, the Savings Bank of Walpole, a member of Keene's Energy and Climate Committee, the Startup Committee for the New Hampshire Tech Council, Marketing Committee for the Chamber, um, Board of Advisors for Stay, Work, Play New Hampshire. What's the thread? Is there a common thread in what you choose to get involved with? Um, I think... Community and sustainability are kind of mm-hmm. the two things I'm most passionate about. Um, so when we when we renovated our new office, it's an old church that's uh, 150 years old. It sat vacant for 10 years. Oh, wow. um, and we took the building and made our space net zero using solar panels on the roof and insulation and air sealing. And we switched over to mm-hmm. air source heat pumps. Um, and that's just something I kind of like nerd out on. <laughs> um, so the Energy and Climate Committee was really like ties into that. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't really seeking that position. They they 
reached out to me because of the work I'd done in the community around that. Um, the rest of it, I think, is really just kind of trying to help out and solve problems around my business. Like, there's a problem with recruiting young people in the state. And then I got involved with Stay Work Play, and I, I built one of their old... Their, they have a new website now, but I built one of their their older websites, and we did a bunch of digital marketing for them for free just to help out on that. And it helps everybody, but also helps us. Go back to... Um Paragon in, in the pandemic, you know, you were talking about that you had a growth plan going in. Obviously, 2020 threw so many of our plans out the door. But I mean, you were kind of in a unique situation um, in that there was a boom, obviously, in the use of online services and tools and shopping. And all of a sudden, everyone became hyper aware of their digital footprint. What did that do for your business, for your business plan, and how did you pivot, and, 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 and what happened for Paragon? Yeah, um, I, I think we were so busy trying to help all of our clients adapt that we mm-hmm. didn't really take advantage of that boom. We had our heads down just trying to help them out. Like We had clients that all their business and sales came from leads at trade shows, mm-hmm. and that was gone overnight. Oh, wow. Yep. Um, we had at businesses that never tried to sell their product online and now they had to, to survive. Um, so we were just scrambling and trying to help all of our existing clients adapt. And what were some of those adaptations you helped them with? You know, we were looking at clients that were looking at other traditional routes as, was how their income floated. And now they're really having to pivot hard into the digital realm that they may have only dabbled in before. What were some of those adaptations you helped them with that stand out for you? Yeah, I think some of it just forced them to leap into this century um, <laughs> overnight. Like, Kicking uh, and screaming the whole way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think in the end, for a lot of them, it was a really good thing. Like, they had drugged their feet on, on developing e-commerce, and so we helped them do it very quickly and um, just made it happen. And uh, I think the clients that were reliant on like trade shows or more in-person type things for their leads, the B2B clients, um, really getting them to shift their focus to ads and getting people engaged through like content that they create or white papers and then nurture them online instead of uh, like drip email campaigns and stuff. So um, really bringing them forward into the digital age when parts of their business and their sales process were so stuck in the past. It's hard to change something when it's still working. Right. It was just starting to work less and less and less, but it was slow enough that a lot of them weren't really taking the leap to really fully commit to digital. And this just forced them to. And so as we have, you know, moved beyond pandemic into the endemic and we've all adopted, um, what is now happening with your own business and that growth plan you went in with? Is it, are you having to adapt that? Are you executing? Where's that stand? So when the pandemic hit, we had, I think a lot of companies went through staffing challenges. Mm. Um, and, and that hit us hard. Mm. And it hit a lot of our clients hard. So we did a lot of rebuilding our, our relationships and parts of our company through the pandemic. And 
I think it's it's been great because there's parts of the company I had to step into that I hadn't paid attention to for so long. I've completely rebuilt our web development team and processes and how we host and maintain sites since the pandemic hit and a lot of sleepless nights, but we're in a lot better place now than we were before the tan- pandemic that will allow us to, to scale um, better without sacrificing quality. Um, so I think that's, that's like the silver lining mm-hmm. of, of all this. And I, I may be wrong, but this seems to be a field that could be ever changing. You know, new technologies are rolling out, new ways of reaching people are, 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 are being developed. And the fight for people's attention uh, is so fierce because there's just so many avenues that we go down to get our information, our entertainment, um, where we go on the web itself. Uh, so how do you keep on top of that? And what has been some of the biggest differences in how you serve your clients that you've seen occur even during the time that you've had your business? Yeah. So the, f- the first part of that, keeping on top of all that, um, is definitely a challenge. Um, the biggest way I keep on top of that is a lot of reading online and just following other other people in SEO or mm-hmm. the digital ad space um, and trying new things, always trying like, oh, Hulu has a self-service platform now, so let's see if we can try that with a client, throw a little bit of money at it and see if it works. Um, so that experimentation and... Um, we have some great clients that let us try those new things to see if they work. So there's there's a lot of that, just getting our rolling up our sleeves and getting our hands dirty and just trying new things is really how we we learn and stay on top of of what's happening in the industry. Um, and part of it's just taking what we learn from the data and figuring out, okay, that didn't work. So mm-hmm. what are we going to try next? And right. just going out and doing some research to to see what else is out there that might work. I I think one of the things that folks may struggle with is all that data. Like on the one hand, never have before have you had so much data at your fingertips about how your marketing efforts are actually performing. On the other hand, is it do do you find clients kind of struggle to really effectively use that data? And 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 what what should businesses be paying attention to? I think that's really where we come in is just looking at the data and figuring out what it means mm. um, and then making recommendations to our clients based on that. Um, Cause it's, unless you're in there all the time and you, you're, you're well-versed in web analytics, you can come up with wrong conclusions or just get totally confused um, or find a conclusion and then not know what to do with it. Mm. Um, so I, I think that's where we help a lot and, um, Versus just spitting out a monthly report and sending it to them. We have a monthly meeting, sometimes weekly, um, where we try to come away with like actionable um, recommendations that they can take based on that data. You said uh, that the pandemic kind of wreaked havoc on, you know, not only your clients, uh, you know, employee retention, but perhaps yours as well. Um, where is the company now in terms of who who is your team and what is that team made up of, of and who? Yeah, um, it's the biggest change is that, I mean, most of our clients were remote. We had lots of clients that we've never met in person. So this oh, whole wow. Zoom thing was not new to us. We have multiple zoom rooms in the office we've had them for years oh wow okay. um 
So that part really wasn't an adjustment for us. The the adjustment was having the team remote because I had been so focused on having everyone in the office. Mm-hmm. Um, we had some flexibility where people could work from home on certain days if they lived a little farther away. Um, but one of my really big focuses was making sure we could hire people locally and have them in the office together because it led to better communication and more creativity um, versus talking for an hour a day on a Zoom meeting. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think we found ways with um, Slack and Zoom chat to, to keep that camaraderie going. Um, we have to, you just have to be more intentional about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's definitely, it's definitely more of a challenge. Like you mm-hmm. have to think about it. You can't just put people in a room next to each other <laughs> and let it organically happen. You have to, um, sometimes it feels like force it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or guide it maybe. Yeah. yeah. Guide it's a better word. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, so how, uh, who is your team at Paragon now? So we have seven people right now. Oh, wow. Um, awesome. we, we were larger before the pandemic right now we're, we're relying a little bit more heavily on contractors just mm-hmm. because it's been so hard to hire. Yeah. Um, but opening up our talent pool to a wider geography, sure. um, with remote employees has, has helped a lot with being able to find the, the right talent. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like we have a pretty strong team now that we couldn't get from our talent pool locally. Do you have, um, I mean, in terms of pulling people in uh, to your your workplace uh, or to the culture, um, do you have a certain set of skills uh, that you're looking for? I mean, does that ba- is that mostly based on the role that they would take on, or are you looking for certain types of people uh, to be part of that team? Um, I think both. Uh, it really depends on the role a lot. I think one of the biggest things we look for is people that can self-learn mm-hmm. they can go out and research stuff on google and figure out how to do something because by the time the textbooks and trainings catch up <laughs> it's already changed in our industry right. so um i think that's one of the biggest things we look for is people that are self-taught or mm-hmm. um can go out there and figure out things on their own here's the problem how do i solve it mm-hmm. without somebody holding their hand um but the rest is really, uh, if they're focused on SEO, that's the skills we're looking for, or sure. web development, or project management. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I read on your website that you are, is it a Google Premier partner, or is that how they? Yeah. So what does that entail these days? I mean, you know, you're, you're a partner with Google, and you're, you know, Paragon and Keen. What are they giving you? What are you giving them? Or and what is that giving to your your clients uh, as well in being in that position? Yeah, so I, I can't remember the exact percentage. I think it means we're in the top two or top five percent of all Google partners. Oh wow! In the country. Oh wow! Um, and that's based on the how well we manage the accounts, level of media spend that we're spending, mm-hmm. um, and a number of other factors like certified employees and stuff. Um, so that gives us access to additional resources at Google, mm-hmm. some cool swag from the Google store. <laughs> of course it does. We yeah. have, uh, we have three folding Google bikes in our office oh that God. people could take out for lunch, um, <laughs> and to run errands, uh, and gives us access to like early release, like betas that they're trying, like new ad formats and stuff that mm-hmm. aren't available to the mm-hmm. 
all the other advertisers. Yeah. And is, I mean, is Google in terms of working, you know, with a, with a platform or uh, a company like that, uh, are they really, do they really have the market cornered as it were? And, and are they doing the best? I mean, it seems like they are because they're everywhere and they have all these tools, but um, are there other similar partnerships uh, or, or other, you know, tools that you use? Yeah. I think lately we've been looking for, other opportunities because mm-hmm. the Google space is so saturated yeah. and everybody is doing it. Mm-hmm. There's so much competition. There's um, some industries that are like mortgages, for instance, it's so saturated and you're up against like Quicken Loans oh, and God. these yep. big national players yep. that we have to kind of look other places for other tactics, mm-hmm. um, trying things like geofencing home shows and um uh-huh. so people people visit a home show and then we have a little geofence set up around them uh so when they leave we can serve ads to them interesting so to, uh, for those of us who may not know what is geofencing so geofencing lets us uh draw a barrier around something as small as like one building mm-hmm. and when somebody's phone walks into that barrier mm-hmm. it tags them and we can serve them ads while they're there. So mm-hmm. we could use this for uh, maybe you want to target people that are attending a specific industry conference. Mm-hmm. So so we could target those people with uh, uh, an offer after they leave that's relevant to that those specific people. So oh, um, cool. I think one example we've used in the past is uh, nurses are really hard to recruit. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a big shortage of them. But they all have to do continuing education. So oh, finding right. a continuing education uh, event and geofencing that and then having a job offer for another hospital that has a huh. sign-on bonus or something. Sure. So those ads follow them around. And when they uh, look up the weather on their phone after they leave, there's an ad for, for a client. Ah, okay. Getting them, getting them while they're in the, in the moment and, and focused or yeah, at least because in that mindset. They're, they attend that specific event, you know that that's what their job role is. Right, right. And that's that's who you're targeting. So Neat. God, we could um, we could pick your brain for days, I feel <laughs> like. Um, there's one thing I want to know, though, before we wrap. Uh, the name, Paragon, where did that come from? Um, it means a model of excellence. Ah, that's very nice. one of our kind of core values. Um, I ended up with the domain name long before <laughs> I started Paragon. I actually have a little bit of a domain name addiction problem. <laughs> Do you have like I have a, way too many. It's like buying um, stocks. Oh, we have a second intervention. <laughs> yeah. Potatoes and domain names. Yeah, I, oh. I bought that one from a broker probably five or ten years before I started Paragon. I was wow. like, oh, this is kind of a cool name and i looked up what it meant and i was like that's cool no idea i was going to start a digital marketing agency someday but it worked out i love it i love it it's sort of uh, apropos to the whole situation yeah. so well it's uh, it's been neat it's been informative uh and we appreciate everything that you do uh, especially here in new hampshire but for clients uh nationwide as it were um zach loose is founder and ceo of keen-based paragon digital marketing thanks for joining us thank you Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed the stories and information you heard on today's podcast, find more by subscribing to Business NH Magazine or visiting businessnhmagazine.com. I'm Matt Mowry. And I'm Nathan Carroll. BizCast NH is a production of Granite Media Group.